Now, y'all in Luke 24. Are y'all there? Let's start at verse number one. He's not dead. Man, what a powerful resurrection service on this past Sunday. Thank God for those who came, those who were ministered to at the altar. The fact that Jesus rose again differentiates Christianity from every other world religion. As a matter of fact, I don't call Christianity a religion. I call it a relationship. Because how many know you can have good religion, Sherry, but not have relationship? Anybody in the house? And, and it's time for us. I am telling you, I am telling you, hear me closely. I am telling you, I am telling you, EBC, it's time for us to get busy doing the work of ministry. For the longest, many of us have been sitting and being taught and we, we discuss it and we do our lessons. And, but what I'm after as your pastor and what God is after as your Lord and your Savior, he wants us to be obedient to the scripture. And I told you, I made you this promise over 33 years ago that the only way that I'm going to do this is by the word. And as long as I'm preaching the word, I figure you ought to be all right with me. I figure you ought to be all right with me. But I'm not so naive to think that there are those who are really not spiritually grounded. And there are many, there are some in the church who are not even born again. They're church members. But we're going to do the word. We're going to give you opportunity to prove your faith. Show and tell. That's the game I play. When I want to say, I love you. Some of y'all been talking about you love Jesus, but you ain't showing nothing. Watch this text here. Lord, I love this. Every time I I read this and I go back over it, listen to what the text says. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. The text says they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, everybody say puzzled. Everybody say perplexed. I gave you last week uh, the the definition uh, of uh, the Greek word for perplexed, which aporio, which means to lose one's way. It's the picture of someone who is so confused that he can't figure out where he is, what he's doing, or what's happening around him. This person is completely bewildered by the surrounding events. So we got to make sure, as they stood there puzzled, two men uh, suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. Text says this, the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? And the text says, he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. Text says that the son of man must be portrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. That's what Jesus had told them. Jesus had told the very same thing to his disciples, the ones who he pulled in close to him. Then they were walking with him for that three, three and a half years of public ministry. Those very disciples, guys, were now cowering in fear behind locked doors. But we see the women here. I, shared, I, had, I had the privilege to share at the, at, at the Webster Paris Men of Courage event on Thursday night. And I shared with those guys. And, and guys, let me tell you something. It was about 250 men there. 
in that, in that uh, civic center, uh, and they received the message wholeheartedly because they said, we need this message. And I, and I, I, I talked about what I've been talking about here, unity. Because, guys, I'm, listen, God gave me a mandate, and I'm not going to pull off of that mandate. So if you, as I told you before, either you're going to trust your spiritual leadership when your spiritual leadership is showing you the word of God or you're not. If you can't trust your spiritual leadership, then you need to maybe find someplace else to go. Are you following me? Because it doesn't make sense, especially if your, if your spiritual leadership is showing you the word of God. And, 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 and if the word of God is true, I know it is. And you should know it is because it, through it, you got to say, if the word of God is true, then why are you fighting the word? Because you're not fighting me, you're fighting the word. Are y'all, are y'all tracking with me? So I told him, I said, guys, I said, listen, we have a, a mandate from the Lord Jesus Christ to be men of integrity and honor and men who lead our families well. And so I, 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 I made up in my mind that these next 15 years or however long that the Lord has me here, I'm running hard for Jesus. So you better get ready. We're not taking our feet up off the gas. We are moving forward in faith. And God wants to use this church to have kingdom impact, okay? So y'all ready to go? I said, are you ready? No, 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 no. I said, are you ready to move with Jesus? All right, now, y'all know my philosophy. I teach, and then I say, let's implement. Teach and implement. Everybody say, teach, teach. now implement. Because we got to be doers of this word. The problem that many Christians have is this we want to teach, we want to hear it taught, we want to learn of it. But when it comes time to doing it, we, we let our feelings, we let our, our own little idiosyncrasies get in the way of following God. I, listen, there are things that God has told me to do that I, in my own natural bent, just, it, it, wasn't, it, it wouldn't have been what I would have done. But I learned, Brother Kenny Wayne, how to be obedient. Through the things that I suffer. Amen? Through the things that God takes me through. Now watch this. It says, the son of man must be betrayed in the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he will be raised again the third day. Look at this next verse. It says, then they remembered that he had said this. Now guys, I, I do have to tell, share this when we go, we're going to jump back over to where we picked off from last week. These women, this group of women that followed Jesus, this is not the first time that they're doing this. As a matter of fact, it was the women who stood at the cross while Jesus died. The men that left. The men were cowering in fear. But the women were at the cross. If you study Judaic, uh, if you you study Judaism, you'll understand that what Jesus was doing and allowing these ladies to do was what we consider scandalous under Judaism. But the freedom, watch this, go, go to Luke the 8th chapter. Watch this. Go to Luke the 8th chapter. And look at verses, start 1 through 3. These women witnessed the worst moment in history. Jesus gruesome death on the cross of Calvary. And they observed the, the desertion by his fearful disciples. The men ran and cowered in fear. I told you on last week we need some godly men. We need some men who are spiritual. We need spirit-minded men who are willing to say, I'm going to reject passivity. I'm going to accept responsibility. I'm going to lead courageously 
and I'm going to invest eternally. It's not all about sports. It's not all about your bank account. It's not all about your career. It's about what is important for the kingdom of God. And am I willing to be like Paul, to crucify myself so that Christ can live through me? Paul said that I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ live in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Watch the text here. It says, soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him. Look at verse number two. Let's go. Along with some women who have been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out what? Seven demons. Baby, let me tell you something. If you had seven demons in you and Jesus delivered you, you better start following him. This woman, amen, along with these others, look what the text says. Among them were Mary Magdalene, back up Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. The next one is what? Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager. Now, this, this lets me know right here, she was Herod's business manager's wife, and you were not going to be the king's business manager unless you were wealthy also. So this wealthy woman is going along with Jesus, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Under Judaism, men couldn't even be seen in public with women. And for this woman, Joanna, whose husband was the business manager for that in government authority, it would have been uh, 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 considered a shame and a reproach for her to be walking with Jesus. But here she is. I'm here to tell you guys, when Jesus delivers you, people are going to know it. When Jesus delivers you from yourself and from your traditions and from your little idiosyncrasies, people are going to notice it. The text says they were contributing with their resources to support Jesus and his disciples. They, 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 they fed them. They, they, they gave money for the ministry work to go. How many of y'all know you can't do ministry without money? I got two hands raised. (laughs) It takes money to do ministry. It takes money to feed people. It takes money to buy material to study. It takes money to build a building to to congregate in. It takes money to send someone to go and do the work of ministry. So these women were following Jesus and, and they didn't vacate him at the cross. They were at the cross. But the disciples had ran fearfully. But I need to get back to Luke 24 because I, 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 got, I got to move today, guys. Go back to Luke 24, if you will. Let's pick back up around that seventh verse. Because those women, they showed their faithfulness. They showed their follow-through. Here's the problem. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. It's not a problem, but it's, it's, it's a concern that I have as your pastor. I'm concerned about people who come and learn and don't follow through. Are y'all listening to me today? I I, I, I feel a pastoral mantle on me today. 
Not a prophetic one, but a pastoral man. A pastor will shepherd you. A pastor will challenge you. A pastor will, will, will be there to speak truth in your life. And a pastor doesn't sit back and wonder, uh, okay, can I say that because they, they're going to get offended and they're going to leave. Baby, let me tell you something. I'll tell you before, I don't get high when people come and I don't get low when people go. Because in 33 years of ministry, one thing I learned, people come and people go. Thank God you came. And, 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 it, and, and, and But, but I, I can't be concerned about that. I got to be concerned about pouring into your heart because God is saying he wants follow through. He wants you to learn the stuff, but also put it into action. Be ye doers of the word and not what? Here is only deceiving your own self. He says that the son of man must be betrayed in the hands of sinful man and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. Let's go. Here we go. Then they, then they remembered that he had said this. The word came back in their remembrance. You got to always take people back to the word. I don't argue with people about methods and systems because there are different methods and systems. You may not like the method and system, but my question to you is, what's the word of God say? And are, we, are you willing to do the word of God? And you, Only you can decide that for yourself, okay? I can't decide it for you. It's up to you whether or not you're going to be obedient to the word of God. As I told you before, I am very much willing to sit down and reason out of the scripture with you. But I'm not going to reason out of foolishness. Because you can't, you can't argue with a fool. The Bible says whether you laugh or rage, you ain't going to have no peace. How many of y'all got some food that you deal with on a regular basis? Anybody, anybody know foolish people? And I would, I would submit to you anybody who's been presented the gospel of Jesus Christ and rejected, anybody who's a part of a church and say they're a Christian and see the word of God talk to them and then don't do it, that's foolishness. And I don't know about you, but I've been a fool before. Everybody plays a fool sometime. <laughs> I know that's not really relative to this, but I just kind of, it just kind of, old songs just come into my spirit sometimes. I don't know where that stuff come from. And, and that's, I hadn't listened to that song probably in 40 years. But it just, everybody plays the fool sometimes, no exception. All of us as Christians have been foolish in our walk with the Lord because there have been times God has shown me stuff and I refuse to do it. But no longer will Doyle Adams do that. But I can only speak for myself. So these women, they had followed through. They, 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 they got a revelation. The Bible says then they remember that, what he, that he had said this. Now w- watch what happens. L- listen to this. I, we get into our text. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. The text says, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. Are y'all tracking with me? Let's keep moving. It says what? Uh, but the story sounded like what? I don't know. You, do, 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 don't you miss this? Who are they talking to? They are talking to the guys who had walked with Jesus for three years. They are talking to the guys who Jesus told what was going to happen. Can I just put Bible on it right quick? If you can follow me, Jay, follow me real quick. Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse number 21. Matthew 16 and 21. Don't miss this. This is not some ragtag group of folks who never met Jesus. These are the guys who Jesus was pouring into. 
It says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, on the third day, he would be what? Now he says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. All right? Go to Matthew, the 17th chapter. Matthew 17, verse number 22. 22 and 23. Matthew 17, 22 23. I need y'all to get this because some of us are like the disciples. We know what the word of God says, but we forget it. And there's, listen, I will tell you that even when it came to this resurrection, the, the, the disciples ultimately got there, but it, they went through, a, 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 I would say, levels of belief if you will. Uh, they had to get there. At first, they were in unbelief. Texas, after, they, after they gathered, again in Galilee, again in Galilee, Jesus told them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemy. 23, let's go. He will be killed, but on what? Third day, he will be what? Raised from the dead, and the disciples were filled with grief. Go to Matthew, the 20th chapter. This was not something he said one time, guys. And I'm repeating this to you because I don't know about you, but when I look at this, I see myself in these disciples. Because there are times when God has told us something, gave us a promise in his word, gave me a promise in his word, and I doubted that promise. I doubted it. Look, Matthew 20, chapter, verse number 17 through 19. He's repeatedly said, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. 19 says what? Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip and crucified. But on the third day, everybody said the third day, he'll be raised from the dead. Go to Luke 9 chapter, verse number 22. In case you are dense, Jesus keeps repeating this to his disciples, yet at the time of the crucifixion, when it was time to stand up, they were cowering in fear. Luke, the ninth chapter. I need y'all to go with me. Verse number 22. Luke 9 and 22. Glory to God. The son of man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day, everybody say third day, he'll be raised from the dead. Now, guys, consistently Jesus is saying this, pouring into his disciples. But when it came time for the rubber to beat the road, they cowered in fear. I remember when I was playing ball at Louisiana Tech, there were some guys who were great practice players. And in practice, they look like an all-American. But when it came to game time, they froze up. Couldn't perform very well. Couldn't do the things they were doing in practice. And guys, here we see the disciples have frozen up. But the women, the women stayed at the cross. The women followed Joseph of Arimathea when he asked for the Lord's body, took it and buried it in the tomb. The women went there to, 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 to anoint his body. The women 
interface with the angel and then went and spoke and preached the gospel to the disciples. And let's get back to Luke 24. But the disciples thought it was foolish. Now, listen, Jesus had told them this. I could find other passages to read, but y'all get the picture, don't you? The women remember the word and it produced faith. Faith coming by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So I told you on last week that, that they had the resurrected Jesus brought about change in the believer's life. They had perplexed hearts, but he opens the tomb. And, and again, when it says open the tomb, he allowed them to see that they, he had resurrected from the grave. And then now it produces a, a, man, a comfort level for them. Um, I, I would, uh, if, if you will, get back to Luke 24 with me right quick. Verse number 11, Luke 24, verse number 11. Because here's, here's what I'm afraid of. When we preach doctrine, we preach the unadulterated word of God. How are you responding? Are you responding out of your emotions? Are you responding out of uh, your upbringing, your experiences? Take, for instance, all right. All right, if praise and worship is going forth, and maybe you grew up, grew up in, a, in, a, in, a, in a quiet sort of church, and, and your church, did, you know, they frowned on you being expressive in your faith walk, right? Because now here, when, listen, when I come up here, I don't, I don't intend to cry. I promise you I don't. As a matter of fact, I, 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 I try to hold it back because and, 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 I, I don't want to see, you know, I grew up, grown men shouldn't cry, but I learned that men ought to learn how to be expressive in our emotion. That's why a lot of men are messed up because they won't say what's really going on inside of them. But, but, but if, if, if I'm overwhelmed with, 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 the, with the presence of God and, and the spirit of God is moving here and I cry, or if I dance unto the Lord, how do you respond if I dance to the Lord? Well, we Baptists, we don't do that. Psalms 150, we used to read it every Sunday. Can you pop it up, Brother Jay? I know I'm jumping, but can y'all follow me today? My point is, when are you going to let go of your traditions and your denominationalism and your upbringing and your experiences and start following the word of God? Psalms 150, verse number one. I need y'all to hear this. Praise you the Lord. Praise God where? In the sanctuary. Praise him what? In the firmament of his power. Praise him for his what? Has he done anything for you? Did he make a way for you? Did he heal your body? Did he put food on your table? Clothes on your back? Roof over your head? Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. What? Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Any trumpet players, we can add you to the band. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise him with the timber. We need a tambourine player. <laughs> Praise him with the timbrel and the. So why are you get mad when you see Sherry dancing over here? That's a shame. We ain't Pentecostal. We don't do that in our church. What did they just say? Praise him with the timbrel. So what, okay, that, see what that feeling is, is tradition. The Bible says, Jesus said, is your traditions have made the word of God 
So because of your tradition, the word says praise him in the temple of dance. But when you see somebody dancing because you didn't grow up that way, now you, get a little, you start feeling a certain kind of way. Well, I'm like Shirley Caesar. Hold my mule. I'm going to praise him right here. I just want to, I've been free because the word says praise him with him and dance. Praise him with the string, the instruments, and the organs. Watch this. Next verse, praise him on the loud cymbal. Who is this? Isn't it funny? The music too loud here, but when you were going to see Prince. I'm fond of saying this. When Elvis Presley was in his heyday, he had concerts and he called women, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. Ah! He called you a hound dog. Crying all the time. Isn't it amazing how when we were in the world, we were very expressive of those things that were dear to us but when it comes to the church, we don't do that here. If you keep on doing that, we're going to have to ask you to leave. No, 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 baby. In here, if you want to praise him, praise him. Because we got freedom. Now, now let, let me say this. There is order in the house of the Lord. If I'm preaching, don't get up and start praising while I'm preaching. Ever says out of order. And if I'm preaching, don't amen me so much that I can't even hear myself think. Thank you, brother. Follow me, but don't get ahead of me. I was watching a brother preach one time, and this, and this I think it was one was just, she's an artist, and she's just trying to finish everything. He said, wait, but stop, hold up. Let God call me to preach this, not you. Just follow me. Don't leave me. Praise upon the loud symbols. Praise him upon the high sounding symbols. Verse 6. Let everything, are you a thing? Let everything that hath breath. Animated objects don't have breath, but you as a human being do. Let everything that hath breath do what? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So why do you not praise him? Well, I just praise him in my own little quiet way. That ain't what it just said here. Go to Psalm 47 and 1. Can I, can I give you Bible? Can I give you Bible? I'm not giving you tradition. I'm giving you Bible. I want to free somebody today. Because some of y'all are so stuck in your ways, and you've been that way so long, you don't even see yourself. Can we read it out loud? Who is this written to? These are Psalms. These are Psalms. David wrote most of these uh, in Psalms that were canonized in the Scripture. Uh, songs that, that Israel would sing in honor of their God. He says what? Oh, clap your hands. Shh. Wait, 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 wait. I didn't think we supposed to shout in the church. We're Baptist. We don't do that. What does the word say? Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Are you, do you have victory in your life? Has God done anything for you? You ought to shout with the voice of triumph. Say, God, I thank you. It may not be where I want it to be, but it's not where it used to be. 
Yeah, I like that one too, Gary. Let the redeem of the Lord say so, not think so, say so. So you got to decide, am I going to be biblical or not? I could go on, but lest I get sidetracked. They were perplexed in heart. We said, number two, they had discouraged hearts, but he opens their eyes. Now, again, go, go back to Luke 24, verse number 11. I hope you all are getting something out of this. Luke 24, verse number 11. Glory to God. I read says, and their words seemed to them as idle tales. Now, when you're reading this, think back to all those scriptures I read to you previously. On numerous occasions, Jesus spoke plainly to them about what was going to happen. And then when it happened, they tripped out. They didn't believe it. I spoke to you plainly about what was God was doing, what the mandate that God gave me. I don't know what he gave anybody else, but I know what he gave me. And he told me over seven years ago, you're going to be the bridge that bring black and white Christians together. And man, when I said that in Minden, those brothers were so appreciative of hearing somebody say it. And I told them, I said, guys, I'm very comfortable talking about race. Some of y'all are not comfortable talking about race. It doesn't matter to me because I, I know what the word of God says. I'm very comfortable in talking about it. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to storm out because, because I'm offended. Some of y'all are too easily offended. And if you run with Jesus, let me tell you something. Your feelings are going to get hurt sometimes. So learn how to stand on the word. Okay. Let me sit down for a second. Because I sense in my spirit that some are allowing your, 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 your pride to say, ain't nobody going to make me do anything. Everybody says it's pride. And some of you said, you forcing the word. Can I say this? How can I force the word on you? I'm going to preach the word to you. But if you think the word is being forced on you, then what, what you're telling me is, is I don't want to receive it until I'm ready to receive it. And you're not going to receive it until you're ready to receive it. Until you get yourself out of the way and say, God, show me your word. I dare you, I double dog dare you to get into the word and study it for yourself and say, God, show me your will. And when you know his will, there ain't nothing for us to do but to do his will. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. I need y'all to read that with me out loud on purpose. Come on, let's go. But the story, what story? That he risen from the grave. He had told them that on several occasions, but it sounded like nonsense to the men. So he didn't believe it. I take this as a personal challenge. Because as I said, in my 33 years of experience, I know men are good at doing stuff and I, I understand putting men in their place. Once they put them in their place, in other words, let them do things, work in the ministry, that's good. But we need some spiritual men. See, what's going, what's going to transform communities is not, you know, service is good, but we need spiritual men who are willing to preach the gospel and share the gospel and talk about something other than sports and finances and women. 
Because when men get together, <laughs> those subjects usually come up in some shape, form, and fashion. I love all the brothers in this church. And I want to challenge every brother in this church to be the spiritual leader in your home. I told you that on last Sunday. And when you talk to people and when you talk about any subject, what is the theological construct for your conversation? I want to know why did you say that? Where in the, in the Bible did you see what you just said? Well, uh, I can't, it's, it's in there somewhere. No, not in there somewhere. What doctrine led you to say that we need to be separate? Now, I can show you in the word, and we, we did a study where it says we need to be together, but where, where, where are you getting that from? And if you are not willing to follow the Bible, you're not going to be in line with God's will. Let me, let me read something to you right quick, because here's what God is trying to do with us. Stories sound like nonsense to men, so they didn't believe it. Go to the next verse. Can we read it right quick? However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. He, he went look. This is what some people, some people can't believe it. They don't believe it. But then some will come and look just to investigate. Still not believe but they come and look and investigate. Come on a little look closer. Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again. Now, it didn't say, oh, he believed now. He went home again and what? Wondering what had happened. Now, I just read you five or six scripture words. He just told them what was going to happen, and it did happen, and when it did happen, they didn't believe. Wondering what happened. So, at least he had the, the, the wherewithal to, to, to go and see, but he still didn't fully believe. Look at the next verse. Then we get into this. That same day, too, Jesus follows walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And I told, it says, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Now, I, when you skip on down, you see where uh, uh, Cleophas is talking, and, and the, more, uh, uh, the more he talked, the more he indicated, he indicted, the more he talked, the more he indicted himself and his friend for their unbelief. Guys, the re- mark this down. Just, just make a mental note of this, or you can jot it down. These guys and, and the disciples who were cowering in fear, their real problem, and I need y'all to hear me, their real problem was not in their heads, but in their hearts. Their real problem was not in their heads, but in their hearts. When someone argues against revealed, properly exegeted scripture, the problem ain't in their head, it's in their heart. Some try to take the Bible and read it like an intellectual textbook, and I promise you, you'll never understand God from an intellectual standpoint. God said, and if you're not spirit-minded, you won't understand it. That's why I don't, I don't argue with people who, 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 who are not willing to, to try to understand spiritual things and put themselves in a position to do so. Because you'll never convince somebody who's carnal-minded, who is unsaved, that God's word is true. So why are you arguing with people? I promise you. My days of arguing, how, how are you going to argue somebody into salvation? How are you going to argue somebody into standing in faith? It's a personal decision. And if you don't receive it, you won't get it. Listen to this right quick. There's a, a, a lady by the name of Angie Sabin Peter. She was, she's an accomplished pottery. You know what a pottery is, someone who makes pottery. Uh, and she was given the privilege of studying for six months under this guy by the name of Masaki uh, Shibata. He's an established Japanese 
Potter, one of the greatest ones that, 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 that was in that time, a living. And so uh, this, this two authors uh, describe in their book, it's called Sitting at the Feet of the Rabbi Jesus. They, just, they, they tell the story of, of Angie and the master potter, Masaki Shibata, in their, in their book, Sitting at the Feet of, of the Rabbi Jesus. And in the story, Angie was a potter who dreamed of studying under her hero, this, 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 this uh, guy by the name of Masaki, okay? Uh, and uh, he was renowned for his brilliant pottery. And Angie had studied pottery for years on her own. Let's be careful. She had, studied for pottery, she had studied pottery for years on her own and finally got the chance to travel to Japan and learn under Shibata's teaching. Well, since she wasn't from Japan, she was unaware of the Japanese tradition of being a, listen to this term, a uchi deshi. Can y'all say that with me? Say uchi. uchi. Say it again. Say uchi. uchi. Deshi. That she was about to encounter. And Uchi Deshi is an apprentice to someone who has perfected the art of pottery. And according to the tradition, the Uchi Deshi, which is the student, in general they were teenagers, the Uchi Deshi would not just attend lessons at the master's house, but would move in and be adopted into the family. And every part of their life would be lived alongside the master potter, okay? For they had to learn to do everything the way that the master potter wanted it done. Don't miss the analogy here. They had to learn to do everything. Everyone say everything. They'd do everything the way the master potter wanted it done. For this reason, Uchideshis would live for years with the master. And for this particular uh, master potter of Shabbat, it was generally four years. They would move in with him for four years. And only after many had passed would they be given the opportunity to throw the pots on the potter's wheel uh, to which the master would feel worthy to to inscribe his name to it. But listen to this. However, Angie, Angie's like some of y'all, or some of us. I don't want to say y'all, us. Everybody say us. Let's make it personal. Say, Say me. Say Angie's like me sometimes. You say, I ain't saying that, Pastor. What are you getting ready to say? Listen to this. (laughs) Angie didn't feel as though she had the time for four-year-long apprenticeships. She figured that would be okay since she had spent her own time learning how to throw pots on the wheel and assumed she wouldn't need as much time as a complete novice. She signed up for a six-month apprenticeship and imagined her disappointment when she arrived at Shabbat's door and was told to go work in the rice fields behind his house, then dig for clay the next day, and then wash dishes the next day. You can't separate life from work, Shabbat told Angie. The way, you do the, the, the way you do the most insignificant activity in your daily life will reflect in your work. How your child cleans his room up is going to reflect how, what kind of worker they're going to be. How you do what, what you consider to be a menial task. Let's say, for instance, okay, we got guys in the parking lot. I thank God for our parking lot ministry. And parking lot ministry, the, the, they can use some help. I thank God for our media ministry. We're going to do a training on May the 7th. Hear me carefully. We need some, some 
I, I, I'm not going to call them volunteers because volunteers come and go as they please. But a servant leader is one who submits to the cause and, 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 and is faithful in what they assign, what they sign up to do. So we need some people to help us in media ministry. So May 7th, market, you see the announcement coming. We need some people to help run cameras, direct the, direct the service so that we can give some of these others breaks. I thank God for our media ministry during the pandemic. When things were shut down, the media ministers helped us get the word out. When, when we were too afraid to come up in the church, the word was going out of the church because the media ministry was on task. But we need some help. We need some servant leaders. We'll teach you how to do it. Just come and be willing to serve. Amen? Shameless plug right there, okay? All right, now watch this. Watch this. He said, you cannot separate life from work. The way you do the most insignificant activity in your daily life will reflect in your work. During the entire six-month stay at Shabbat's house, Angie did not find one piece of pottery. After all, she went in there thinking, well, you know, I don't need to do like everybody else because, you know, I got all, I've been doing this on my own. Well, you know, but Pastor, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I, got, I got more education than you, Pastor. Well, I, I, you know, and, and, and but Pastor, you know, I, I've been around a long time. I'm old. Old don't mean nothing. I've seen old fools and young fools. Where in the world do we get the fact that I respect my elders, but sometimes elders don't know what they're talking about? I know that's your mama. But your mama was wrong. It didn't line up with Scripture. Where in the world do we get the fact, uh, and, and sometimes we say, well, you know, let's, they, let, let the old folks just going to say what they're going to say. No! Show me that in the Bible. Speak truth in love. I thank God for my Golden Vessels class on Wednesday. I tell you, we've been having an awesome time. Did I tell y'all last week when they told us to keep going? I'm going to keep saying it. So y'all, y'all, I got 11 minutes. And I want to hear somebody say, keep preaching, Pastor. I'm just joking. I'm going to finish on time. Now listen to this. Listen to this. In this case, the master's tutelage of his apprentice didn't merely consist of giving her a checklist of things to look out for while spinning the pottery wheel. It began by watching and waiting. Being a disciple of Jesus is no different. Jesus will not simply train you to excel in one area or another. He begins with the relationship you have with him. Like the disciples he called on the seashore, no one warrants God's favor through through your meritorious works. It is through a grace extended invitation from the greatest rabbi who ever lived. When I read that story, I thought about that song says, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me, make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yield it and steal. Some of us need to get on the potter's wheel and let the Lord shape us and mold us and get some of the junk out of our thinking. Our stinking thinking has to be transformed when we allow the Lord to have his way. Be not conformed to this world, 
but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is that good and perfect will of God. So the real problem with disciples not in their heads, but in their heart. They, their basic problem was this, guys. They didn't believe all that the prophets had written about the Messiah. That was the problem with most of the Jews in that day also. They saw Messiah as a conquering redeemer, but they didn't see him as a suffering servant. Oh, y'all listen to me. As they they read the Old Testament, they saw the glory, but not the suffering. See, a lot of folks want the glory that comes with Christ, but they don't want the suffering. I heard one writer said, no cross. They saw the glory, but not the suffering, the crown, but not the cross. The teachers in that day were not unlike some today, blind to the total message of the Bible. You can't pick and choose what you're going to obey. And I don't, you know, <laughs> some believers, and maybe you in this boat, some, sometimes we get mad because we don't want to do what God has told us, instructed us to do. Number three, point number three, troubled hearts. They had troubled hearts, but he opened their minds. Skip down to verse number 36. I got to move. Y'all still with me? He opened their minds. Look at verse number 36. Says, and just as they were tell, telling about these, these, these are, uh, this, these are the, 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 the guys on the road, on, you know, you know, Mayus Road, okay? And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. This, this, going back to the disciples, okay? The, 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 the two guys on the Emmaus Road starts telling other disciples about what happened, okay? I'm fast forwarding. Please go back and read through all this chapter. Don't have time to give it all to you today, but go back and read. He says, and just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you. Now remember, these are the guys who were cowering in fear. These are the guys who have been walking with him for three years. He was pouring into them. And yet they didn't believe what the master had told them about his future. See, faith is produced by the hearing of the word on a consistent basis. I'm going to tell you right now, as a believer, if you don't spend time in God's word, you won't walk in faith. And some of y'all are trying to conjure up faith. You know what it means to conjure up faith? Now, Lord, give me some more faith, Lord. Please, Lord, please, 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 please. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. So we've got to spend some time studying. Well, Brother Pastor, I don't read as well. Maybe, uh, Brother Pastor, I don't understand. Well, get with your study group. If you've got a question, call and ask me. I'll be glad to answer your question. Don't sit back and pontificate and complain about stuff if you don't understand it. I want you to understand it first. And once you understand it, my expectation as your pastor is that you be obedient to it. Do I have to go back to Hebrews 13 again? Do I need to go back to Hebrews 13? What does Hebrews 13 say? Obey your spiritual leaders, for they watch for your souls, as they must give account of. I told y'all, doggone it, I told you, sure as I'm black, and sure as I'm 58 years old, getting ready to be 59 years old, I will not go to the beam of judgment seat of Christ and have God, amen, dress me down. I lose rewards because I wouldn't tell you the truth. And I wouldn't tell you the truth because you're mad. Got your feelings hurt. 
I love you. If your feelings are hurt, come on, I'll, I'll give you a big hug. But we, we're going to love each other and we'll keep going. I promise you, if you get mad at me, I'm okay with that. But just study the word. Study the word. Get mad enough to go and study the word. Try to prove me wrong. I challenge you to, to go to the word of God and stop relying on what they said. God needs spirit-minded people. If you're not spirit-minded, you're going to be worldly-minded. You may be saved, but you're worldly-minded. You're carnally-minded. And that was the attitude and the mentality of the church of Corinth. There's a lot of stuff that couldn't get done in a church that was flourishing with spiritual gifts, but a lot of stuff couldn't get done because they were spiritual babies. They were carnally-minded. They were arguing, fussing, fighting, taking each other to court over church matters, young man sleeping with a stepmother. And the church didn't say anything. But don't go on, your pastor going to say something. Amen? Let the church say amen. Let them say it again. Say it one more time for the Holy Ghost. And just as they were tell, talking, telling about it, Jesus himself suddenly standing there among them, peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened. Here we are, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Need I remind you, these are the guys who have been walking with him. These are the guys who had heard him promise what was going to happen. These are the guys that heard him tell him time and time again, I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. He's not dead. I thank God he's alive on the inside of me. What about you? If you got any life, spiritual life on the inside of you, you ought to say Amen. If you got any spiritual life on the inside, you ought, to, you ought to make a covenant promise to do God's word. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Next verse says, what? Why are you frightened? He asked. Why are your hearts? It's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. I told you it's a heart problem. And I'm going to say this again. The message of, 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 of that Paul preached about Jew and Gentile together in the one body, the people who have a problem with the message is a heart problem. But you won't say it's a heart problem. You say it's a method problem. Even if you disagree with the method, how many of y'all supervising your job and, and, and how many of y'all have, 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 have rolled something out on your job and the people who are under you were supposed to do it, but they didn't quite agree with doing it that way, but they did it because they were up under you. Anybody? How many of y'all have been um, uh, uh, up under somebody and you did it, you couldn't see it at the time, but then once you start doing it, you begin to see it take hold. Go to Numbers 12, chapter 1. Let me thank you, Holy Ghost. Why are you, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you frightened? First of all, why are you frightened? He asked. And he says, why are your hearts filled with doubt? That was the apostles' problem. Monet, their hearts were filled with doubt. Let's read it because I, I, I got to get out of here. Next verse. Let's read. It says, look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost. <laughs> because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. Why? Well, says, their hearts are filled with doubt. Right? That's why I told them to go. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Keep reading. Still, they stood there. Lord Jesus. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Here are the disciples. What does the text say? 
Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. What is this? What's going on? Did it ever occur to them to go back and remember what Jesus told them? That on the third day I'm gonna rise again, I'm not dead. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked him, Do you have anything here to eat? Watch this. All right, so watch this. So, troubled hearts, he opens their mind. Jesus sought to calm them. First of all, he gave them his blessing. Number, number second, he showed them his wounded hands and feet and assured them that he was not a ghost, right? Third, here's. He ate some honey and fish to prove to his doubting followers that he was indeed alive and real. And he even invited them to fill his body. And fourth, fourth thing, he opened their understanding of the Old Testament scriptures as he had done with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. How did Jesus get them to overcome their unbelief? He opened the word of God. And begin to teach from the scripture. That's why as your pastor, I spend a lot of time teaching from the scripture. You don't need my opinion on this. You need word on it. And until you are willing to say, the word of God takes preeminence over everything else in my life. Well, my wife don't want to go. What does the word of God say? She may leave me if I start obeying Jesus. Well, you know what? If she leaves you for obeying Jesus. But Pastor, why would you say that? I'm saying that because it's better to obey God than obey man. Or woman. Most women I know would kill to have a godly husband. Spirit-filled man. Loving Jesus. Maybe he's a tongue-talking, devil-stomping, Bible-marking child of God. Most women would kill for that kind of man. But then now some of y'all want somebody who's going to just cuss at you, fuss at you, jump on you and all that. No, no, you, you, you're too priceless for that. Don't, don't, I, I, I had, I had to, um, I had the privilege of um, um, interviewing with uh Molly Patton, she, 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 she did a, a, a senior thesis on domestic violence. And we had a chance to talk and, um, and understand, and, and even she opened my eyes to some understanding about the, the, the prevalence of domestic violence in our community, even in the church. And, and my admonition to anybody who's been domestically abused Remove yourself. No, nobody love is an actual way. You don't. If you beating on somebody, you're not loving them. Okay, you know. But listen, I, I, I'm not. I, can I finish? Let me get back to my text. Good. So. Uh, he ate some honey and fish to prove to his doubting followers that he was indeed alive and real, and he even invited them to fill his body. Fourth, he opened the understanding of the Old Testament scriptures as he had done with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. So he opened the scripture. The thing that I can do for you as your pastor is to open the scripture and let's teach. Let's rightly divide the word of God. And when you're talking with another member 
and they refuse to go to the scripture to discuss, then you know it's their feelings, it's their, it's their traditions, it's their experiences that are blocking them from believing the word of God. The disciples' sole problem here, guys, was they didn't believe what the word says. But now what Jesus does to combat unbelief is he teaches them from the scripture. Number four, joyful hearts. He opened their lips. Look at verse 47 through 53 right quick. And I'm, I want to say something. You know, I, I was going to go to Numbers to talk about Moses and talk about Miriam uh, and Aaron. How they came against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman he had married. But God said, that's my chosen vessel. He said, I speak to other ones in dreams and visions, but I speak to him, Kenny, face to face. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's a dangerous thing. And I'm, I'm not saying this in, in any, any sort of way, but, but, but a way of encouragement. It's really dangerous to, uh, to sit up under godly spiritual leadership that's teaching the word of God and to purposely disobey the word of God that's being presented. I mean, that's dangerous because you put yourself in a position to where God knows you know now because it was taught and given to you. Okay? So you got, you got to decide whether or not you're going to do this. Now, I can't do it for you, but you got to decide whether you're going to do it. But it's, it's dangerous. And Miriam, uh, because she came against God's chosen vessel, experienced, she was struck with leprosy. And thank God, Moses interceded for her, and God said, okay, seven days outside the camp, then you come on back in. But, but that's, that's the heart of a pastor. Moses was leading the nation, but it's the heart of a pastor. See, a pastor can know you're getting mad at him, uh, and, but when you're sick, he come pray for you. A, mass, a pastor can know that you, you, you feel a certain sort of way about him, but he still come and counsel you and your, your, you and your wife and get you back together. Okay? A, pa- a true pastor now. Somebody who, 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 who's mine ain't right, they go like, what the hell with them? <laughs> but I promise you, I love every last one of y'all. I want, I, want, I want God's best for you. Watch this. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Watch this. Uh, you are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven, from on high, from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting up his hands to heaven, he blessed them. Next verse. While he was blessing them, he left them as he was taken up to heaven. Next verse. So they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem, what? Filled with joy. These guys were in a state of unbelief and doubt because their hearts doubted God's word. And now the master gets them on point. And guys, you really want to know when they really started getting this thing done? On, after the day of Pentecost when they were filled with the Holy Ghost. The reason why many of our churches suffer today, not enough believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. Not saying you're not saved, but you got to get filled with the Holy Spirit and allow God to move in your life. Everybody say, he's not dead. Say it again. Say, he's not dead. Say, he's alive. And he's alive in me. Come on, get the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.